Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome, friends, to another r/slash nuclear revenge video. Today we've got some great stories, and our first story of the day is how I ruined my girlfriend's sister's wordle streak. This has to be the pettiest thing I have ever done, but I had a really good reason for it, and that's the point of writing this I guess, so here goes. My girlfriend and I are super competitive, it's one of the reasons why I was attracted to her the first time we met. I was new in town, fresh out of college, settling into a new job and my friends from work had convinced me to try out this bar that hosted trivia nights because they knew how much of a trivia head I am. Decided to go with them one Friday evening, and I met the love of my life, after battling it out in trivia for an hour. I was leading the team for my work, and she was with a couple of her girlfriends, out to celebrate a promotion. Her sister had been a part of the team, but I didn't really notice any of them after my girlfriend got the correct answer to, how many pints of blood are in the average human body? After we started dating, we called the story about how we met the Nine Pint, because the answer to that question was Nine Pints, but she'd been drinking. We were all drinking way too much for 7pm on a Wednesday anyway, and when she answered, she said pins, waited two seconds and then shouted, I forgot the tea. Everyone laughed about it and I couldn't take my eyes off her. So long story short. I used her outburst as an entry for an equally wacky pickup line after her team won, and she liked my face well enough that she wanted to see what was in my head, her words not mine, so she agreed to get some burgers with me that night. Now this revenge story isn't about my girlfriend, it's about her sister. I just needed to explain how we met and a little about our relationship dynamics so you can understand why things went down the way they did. I'm a competitive person, and so is my girlfriend. But her sister takes it to new levels. She is downright vicious and toxic. On the night we met, my girlfriend and her sister had an ongoing bet that whoever was able to land a date first would get to pick their social activities for the next couple of months. Knowing how much my girlfriend loves trivia, Kay had motivated their friend group to come to the bar that night, hoping that while my girlfriend was busy with the game, she could score a date for herself. But she hadn't factored in the fact that someone as interested in trivia as her sister would find her attractive. Long story short, she hates my guts, even though it's been three years. At family dinners in their parents' home, she actually refuses to pass anything to me, and after she accidentally kicked my shin one time, I try not to sit anywhere within proximity of her pointy shoes. My girlfriend thinks Kay doesn't really remember the reason why she started hating me, and she just hates me by default at this point, but I know that she does. I'm a constant reminder of a challenge she lost to her baby sister, and considering the fact that Kay hasn't had a relationship in the past three years, there's more than enough material for her to hate on me for, but my girlfriend still hangs out with her because their group of friends have stayed together since they were kids, and I'm not going to be the disruption to that part of her life. I honestly don't mind Kay's animosity, and I did my best to stay out of her way over the years, but in the rare events that we share space and have to interact, Kay will do anything and everything to prove that she's better than I and my girlfriend. 
My girlfriend, who was fiery to everyone but her big sister, was quick to tell her it was alright and we would just get something else to share. So instead of risking another situation like that, we just try to avoid Kay and anything that has to do with her as much as possible. Kay, however, is relentless and uses every opportunity she sees to create chaos. One time, my girlfriend and I went to Vegas for the weekend. We were celebrating her promotion at work, and although I suggested that we take our dog to my friend's place for the weekend, she had asked Kay to watch the dog while we were out. As you can imagine, I wasn't comfortable with this idea for many reasons. Kay, in our apartment alone with our dog, it just gets worse. But I didn't want to upset my girlfriend, and I told her it was cool. But if our dog developed any health issues, I would call the cops and report Kay. She left, thinking I was being dramatic, but I was serious. Our weekend was fun, but it was over pretty quickly, and as we were heading back home, I remember thinking that I'd not been worried about the dog or the apartment while we were away, but as soon as we entered town, my nerves were on high ends. My girlfriend thought it was funny that I was so worried, but I was so confident that Kay would have been up to no good, and I was right. She had been bored and had taken all the frames that held pictures of me and my girlfriend and moved them from the living room to our bedroom, then replaced them with pictures of my girlfriend and their family. Like that wasn't bad enough, she had taken our dog to get a trim and styling, but according to her, the attendant at the pet shop was new and there was a bald patch on our dog's back. I was furious and I just left the apartment for a few minutes while she got her things and left. I spent the rest of that day reassuring my fiancé that Kay could never change anything about the way I felt about her or our relationship, but I made her promise to keep some distance between me and Kay as much as she could, and she did just that. If the girls wanted to go out, she wouldn't agree for them to meet up at our place, and if their family had any plans that would only be her parents, she and I and Kay, we would make up an excuse for me to be absent. Her mom knew what was going on and tried to apologize for Kay's behavior, but it seemed to me like they were all excusing what was outrightly unacceptable behavior, and nobody was actually talking to the person at the center of it all, Kay. I know it's not up to me to correct anyone's behavior, especially someone that everyone knows we don't see eye to eye, so I just stuck with the status quo and there was no incident. Except the random, oh I forgot you were joining us, I didn't get XYZ for you. Then, three months ago, I proposed to my girlfriend. It was a month after our three-year anniversary and it felt right, so I whisked her away for a trivia-themed treasure hunt around downtown, and at the end of the hunt, we were at the bar where we met, and her family was waiting to surprise her. It was emotional and beautiful and it was perfect because Kay was absent. She had been at the hospital, she had an emergency appendix surgery, but... I sincerely believe that it was the influence of someone up above, some higher power that was looking out for my fiancé and I. The proposal went on without incident, Kay was recovering in their parents' home, and there was such a calm in that period that I should have been instantly suspicious about, but I was enjoying the feeling of not having to look behind my shoulder or holding my cup for hours, so Kay wouldn't drop a laxative in it. She once did that to her younger sister, so I wouldn't be surprised. A month after the proposal and Kay's surgery, my fiancé and I had to help Kay move back to her apartment. Their parents were away, the girls in their friend group were all occupied, and they didn't want Kay to strain herself. And I was definitely not going to let my fiancé help her out alone, because she would end up doing all the work herself. 
So I helped Kay pack all the stuff she had brought over to her parents' place while recovering, and we moved them to her apartment. When everything was sorted, Kay was very insistent on treating us to lunch, which was odd, but I didn't want to create a scene, so I agreed. She chose a restaurant that was close to my fiancé and I's apartment, and after we ate, she said she needed a nap really quickly because her pain meds were wearing her out. It made sense, and she'd been relatively normal all day, so there was no reason to question it. Not until two hours later, when I asked myself why I ever thought it would be a good idea to think of Kay as a real person. Kay slept in the guest room where my fiancé kept most of her collectibles from competitions and stuff like that, and when Kay woke up, she thought to play a prank on her sister by taking a collection of coasters from all the places where my fiancé had won a trivia game and dumping them in the trash in the bathroom. It wasn't until two hours after she left that we figured out what she did. My fiancé was talking about making a memory book for our wedding, which is in eight months, and she wanted to include a picture of the bar coaster from the night we met. We searched every corner of the guest room for it, and it was when she checked the bathroom for the second time that we found the coasters in the bin. Obviously, she was furious at her sister, but I knew it would fizzle out, and I knew I had had enough. Kay may be too old to learn a valuable life lesson, but she can never be too old to be hurt through something that would have value to her. So I took my time, I thought about everything I know about her, and then I remembered that she'd been keeping a streak on Wordle after she got into playing it at the hospital and then during her recovery. She and some people she found online were in this chart contest slash bet thing, and whoever got to a day 100 streak first would get about a thousand dollars or so. Kay, being the competition monster that she is, was eager about both the money and the chance to prove that she was better than someone, and she kept the streak religiously. Every day, at 8pm, when she wouldn't be distracted, she played the game. My fiancé had told me that on more than one occasion, Kay had combed the internet in search of the word for the day when she couldn't crack the answer. It was the perfect plan as far as I'm concerned. It was something she worked hard at, held value for her, and it would be horrible if she lost. At a time when it would really hit her deep. It was easy to bait her into a conversation about Wordle a few weeks after she trashed my fiancé's coasters. All I had to do was tell her I'd heard about an ongoing bet about Wordle in town, and I was thinking of taking it seriously. Ever dismissing, she said, I'm not sure you have the brains for it. There's only two of us on day 94, it's a lot of catching up. But the only thing I needed to play catch up was between her and the consequences of her actions. She needed to feel at least 1% of the mental stress and pain she had put us through. My fiancé knew Kay's phone password, and most of her other passwords because Kay was crappy at remembering stuff like that, so I told her about the plan to ruin Kay's streak, and she was fully on board. She could get back at her sister and make her a loser, so it was perfect. On day 98, my fiancé called her sister and told her I had a friend coming over who would really like to meet her. Kay was quick to accept, surely thinking that it would be an opportunity to say some unflattering things about me or my fiancé. I met with one of my friends from the gym and told him I was trying to teach Kay a lesson. He was down for it, and his role was simple, be as charming as humanly possible, so she would be distracted. On day 99 of her streak, Kay came to our apartment, we had dinner at 6pm, and at 7, my friend who'd been laying it on thick 
told Kay that he would like for them to share a glass of wine on the balcony and watch the sunset. She was quick to agree, and from where we'd been watching them in the kitchen, my fiancé and I exchanged a look. As soon as he slid the balcony door behind them, my fiancé unlocked Kay's phone. We quickly opened the Wordle site and signed her out of the game, so if she even remembered to play it later on, it wouldn't be recorded as a streak. The whole thing took us about a minute, and by the time the sun had fully set and Kay was back inside the apartment with my friend, it was like nothing happened. 8pm came and went, but Kay was too absorbed to my friend to even notice, and by 10pm, my gym friend was ready to leave. He later told me that although she was obviously self-absorbed and insensitive, he was still willing to date her after the whole drama was over, so he'd gotten her number. But that's not something I want to get into right now. Kay left our place about 30 minutes later, eager to get home and hear from her new man. And she was pleased to remind my fiancé that he was taller than me and had more muscles than I could carry, but I couldn't be faced. In less than an hour, the whole thing would have been worth it. At about 11.50 that night, Kay called my fiancé and was having a panic attack because she had forgotten to play Wordle and she could lose her streak. Oh yeah, we'd cleared it out of her browsing history too so she couldn't find it. My wonderful, ever calm fiancé reassured her sister and sent her the link, urging her to open it with a different browser in case there was a problem on her phone. Kay was super grateful and hung up. Fifteen minutes later, Kay was firing up their family group chat with, It's gone! My streak is gone! Messages and calling my fiancé repeatedly. So, what did we do? My fiancé and I spent the evening cuddling with some wine and are now fully and evenly furred dog. The win was in two ways. We'd made her lose an important game, and if things worked out with her and my gym friend, even briefly, we wouldn't have to deal with her for a good while. We ruined Kay's wordle streak last week, and I haven't seen her since then. Life is good. Admittedly, to somebody that's competitive like this, losing your streak, especially at the very last day, in a major competition like that, I can only imagine that this was completely crushing to them. If somebody had treated you bad for years, would it make you sleep easy at night knowing you costed them thousands of dollars? Or do you feel like it would be hard to have a good conscience about doing something like that? Let me know in the comments down below. And by the way, if you're enjoying these stories, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. Our next story is revenge against my party pooper boyfriend. This was how I got back at my boyfriend for leaving me to myself at a party dominated by his colleagues and friends. My boyfriend is generally a sweet guy, but everything changes as soon as we have company. He's very outgoing and likes to have fun and enjoy himself, and sadly, sometimes, this means him acting like I don't exist when we go out for functions. I complained twice, but he never did anything about it until I got back at him. This happened two years ago, almost a year after my boyfriend and I started to live together. We decided to live together after three months of dating exclusively and, while it may seem too early for some people, we were totally fine with it. Excited even. Well, we were in love and it seemed like the perfect time to do it, so we went for it. At the time, we didn't have a lot of issues, save for the minor issues a couple has to deal with after moving in together, and one reoccurring issue. My boyfriend is very extroverted, and it was very annoying. Don't get me wrong, I always knew he was an extrovert, and I loved him for it. We compliment each other, but sometimes when we were in public, he would get so soaked in conversing with other people that he'd forget about me. 
The first time this happened was when we hung out with a couple of his friends in their house. They were all busy playing games and having fun and I sort of felt left out because I didn't know them that well and the group was sharing inside jokes and laughing their butts off. My boyfriend barely even spoke to me the whole time we were there. He was busy entertaining the guests and trying to be a host. Never mind the fact that he wasn't even the host. I felt so awkward, it was like high school all over. I was quite the nerd in high school so I was hardly invited for anything. It didn't help that my parents were strict and very religious so I hardly had any friends either. I was mad at my boyfriend and I spoke to him about it. He said it wasn't deliberate and that he was just having his fun. While he apologized for his behavior, I knew he didn't mean his apology or even understand what I was talking about or why I was offended, but I didn't push it. I assumed that since he had apologized, we could simply just move on from there. The second time my boyfriend completely ignored me was when we went for his parents' marriage anniversary. I'd only met his dad twice and his mom thrice, so we didn't have a very close relationship yet. He has a large family, so his aunts, cousins, and uncles were present. They all know each other and everyone was laughing, talking, and catching up while I was just there, feeling and looking like the odd one. My boyfriend ignored me all throughout that party. Many of his childhood friends and co-workers were at that party, and he was more interested in chatting with them, getting noticed, and just generally being his usual Mr. Entertainment self. His mom must have noticed how lonely I was because she randomly checked up on me, asked if I was doing okay, and encouraged me to mingle with other people at the party. It was hard to do that though, I'm naturally introverted and I'm not one to start conversations with people I don't know. Sometimes I envied how my boyfriend would just get along with people. I did not have that going on for me, and it took a lot of time and effort to get comfortable with people. I didn't enjoy myself at the party, and I felt bad and even guilty about it. My not-so-good mood was obvious, and many people present saw that. I was afraid they would simply think of me as a stuck-up person, or just someone with a nasty attitude, which was really what many people thought of me in high school. I felt even sadder because my boyfriend knew how very shy I got in public, yet he left me to myself all through the party. He didn't even bother to get me drinks. On our way home, I confronted him and he apologized, but I wasn't having it. He had done it before anyway, and at this point, I wasn't going to just settle for another half-hearted apology. We argued in the car and he blamed me for not finding a way to enjoy myself and meet new people at the party. He also dismissed my feelings and said I was making a big deal out of the whole thing. I was angry at how insensitive he was. Since I barely knew his people, it was only fair that he stayed at my side, introduced me to people, and carried me along in conversations. We were both mad at each other and didn't speak to each other until we decided to move on from that incident. And he promised that he was going to make sure I would never feel that way at an event again. Like the previous one, this apology sounded fake and was lacking in depth. It was obvious that my boyfriend didn't mean the apology and he still didn't get why I thought his actions were insensitive. Later that year, my boyfriend's co-worker and friend at the law firm he works in was promoted and his wife organized a party. She invited his co-workers and friends. Of course, my life of the party boyfriend was invited and I had to be there with him. When my boyfriend told me about it, I blatantly said I was not going to go. I knew how lonely I got when my boyfriend and I are out with people, and I wasn't ready to deal with that again, so I refused. My boyfriend, however, convinced me to go with him. 
I brought up his habit of ditching me and he promised that it was never going to happen on this occasion. I trusted him, so I agreed to go with him. That was a big mistake on my part. I should have insisted and stayed home, but he was so convincing and I agreed. I'd forgotten that convincing people was literally what my boyfriend did for a living, and he was very good at it. That evening, my boyfriend drove us to the party's venue, and just as we got there, he saw one of his friends from law school. He almost jumped out of the car happily. It was like a puppy that just saw its owner. It would have been cute to me if I didn't immediately realize that I was going to get ignored all night again. My boyfriend gave me the car keys and left me to park the car properly. For 30 minutes, he was talking on and on with his friend from law school. I just stood by the car in my gorgeous dress and heels staring into space. They were so engrossed in their conversation that my boyfriend didn't even bother to make a proper introduction until his friend pointed at me and asked, Is that your woman? He then said yes and brought his friend close to the car where I was still standing and introduced us. I was already pissed because I knew how the night was going to go. He would see his friends, they would all laugh and talk, and he would forget that he even came with someone. The party had barely started and he'd already abandoned me to chat with his old pal anyway. As soon as we got into the hall, he turned to me and apologetically said, Sorry babe, I see someone I want to talk to, and disappeared. That was how our evening went. He would randomly walk up to me, ask if I was doing okay, and leave again. I knew he was just doing that so he could tell me that he at least checked up on me if I bring up his disappearance later. I felt he was manipulative and I spent my evening at the party planning my revenge, wondering what I could do to make him feel just as I was feeling. The celebrant's wife caught me watching my boyfriend, laughing and drinking from afar, and tapped me lightly on the arm. He's such a funny guy, you're lucky, she said. I rolled my eyes and said, it would be nice if he was more attentive. She sighed and sat on the chair just before me. Have you spoken to him about this? The concern in my voice made it clear that she very well understood what I was talking about. Yes, I have. He promises to change each time, but we go out again and he acts like I'm not even there. She chuckled lightly and stopped a waiter who was just passing. She picked two glasses and handed me one, but I declined. I'd already had three glasses and that was more than enough for one evening. Too much alcohol was certainly not good for my system especially when I'm in a foul mood. I told her that and she giggled about not wanting alcohol, especially when I'm already upset. She said, Honey, I've been married for 10 years and if there's one thing I've learned, men don't listen when you talk. You have to let your actions speak for you. She patted me on the arm and walked away. I had planned to get back at him, but I became even more gingered to do it. I was determined to let my actions speak for me. On our way home, I didn't say anything about what had happened. I was quiet all through the ride, and my boyfriend asked if I was alright at intervals. I said I was okay at each time, and we continued our journey back home in silence. I was in my boss's office some weeks after that night when I overheard my boss on the phone. He was telling his wife about some tickets she got and expressing displeasure about not being able to go to the concert. My boss and I have a good relationship, and we spoke quite often. So I asked him what it was about. My boss's wife had gotten tickets to a John Legend concert, but he'd also planned a weekend trip for them. She didn't tell them because she wanted to surprise him, and he didn't tell her for the same reason. Do you want the tickets? My boss asked me. I wouldn't want it to go to waste. I excitedly said yes. My boyfriend loves concerts, and he was a huge fan of John Legend. 
I was surprised that he didn't already know about the concert and have tickets already. When I got home, my boyfriend was upset. He'd asked his assistant to get him tickets to John Legend's concert, but his assistant wasn't able to. I heard him telling this to a friend in a voice message. I was going to announce that I had tickets to the concert, but I decided against it. It was my perfect chance to get back to my boyfriend and I was going to take it. That Saturday, I told my boyfriend I had plans with a coworker, and he just nodded. My boyfriend is not used to me having a social life and he was probably even happy I was going out without him. I knew he'd be more curious if he knew who I was going with because I was sure he just assumed it was a lady at work. I was going to the concert with one of my coworkers, whom my boyfriend heavily disliked. When we first started dating, my boyfriend would say that the guy liked me and he felt we were too close. I knew it would crush him to find out I went to a John Legend concert with this guy, but I didn't care. My boyfriend was taking a nap when the coworker came to pick me up and we went to the concert together. Just as we were going in, I started to feel very bad about not taking my boyfriend. I knew he would have killed to be at the concert. I planned to rub it in his face that I had tickets to John Legend's concert, but chose not to take him, but chose not to take him before, but I changed my mind. I decided that I was going to simply not mention the concert. Well, it was too late. One of his friends saw me and he came over with his wife to say hello. I knew his friend was going to tell him, so I had to tell him too. My coworker and I had so much fun that evening and it was nice to see what he was like outside the work environment. When he took me back to our apartment, my boyfriend was just outside. To this day, I don't know if he'd been going out to get something or if he was waiting for me because his friend told him he saw me and a guy at the concert. The two men said a cold, impersonal hello to each other and my coworker drove off. My boyfriend was silent all through the elevator ride up to our apartment. Immediately we got in, he exclaimed, You went to a John Legend concert! I shrugged like it didn't matter and walked to the room. My boyfriend followed. So it was like a date? You two went out together? I frowned. I said, Nope, listen, it's not a big deal. My boss gave me two tickets to the concert and I took them. This riled up my boyfriend even more and I wasn't surprised. I knew it would anger him. He sat on the bed and spread his palms all over his face. I don't know why you're making a big deal of it, I said, casually removing my earrings and placing them on the vanity table. That was unfair. You had tickets to John Legend's concert and you didn't take me. You took him instead. My boyfriend's face wrinkled in disgust when he said him. I knew it would greatly offend him if he found out that I took that coworker. But I didn't expect this level of anger and irritation. I apologized, just like he apologized to me in the past. A short, impersonal apology. My boyfriend was not having it though. I don't think you know what you've just done, he said and left the room. I left him to himself, and he didn't speak to me until the next day when he wanted to know why I did it. I told him why I did it and explained that I felt just as hurt when he ignored how I felt at parties. He apologized this time and I did too. He made me promise though that I would never deliberately hurt him like that again. We hugged it out and now we have better ways of expressing our dissatisfaction. Do I regret what I did? Nope. Most times this kind of thing is like a communication issue but it's pretty clear that OP multiple times expressed their dissatisfaction and were just flat out temporarily placated and just ignored. 
I just wonder if the boyfriend ever truly will get over the fact that OP took that hated coworker to one of their favorite artists. And our final story of the day is revenge against my awful new boss. I know for a fact that many of us can relate to working in crappy environments. Sometimes our bosses and even colleagues can be complete jerks and being stuck in the same workplace as them is not always the most fun experience. I went through something similar with my boss and after a little while of taking all his crap in silence, I finally snapped and I'm going to give you the entire story. I'm a 24 year old female and I graduated from community college with a degree in literature. Like a true nerd, I worked at the library from the moment I was old enough to get a job and it was actually the best thing in the world. It goes without saying that I'm an avid reader with an unhealthy obsession for fictional men and situations. And although it did earn me a few snide remarks here and there, I always had my nose buried too deep in a book to actually notice anything or anyone. Once college was over, I continued to work at the library until an acquaintance from high school that I ran into let me know about a job opening for editors in the publishing firm she worked at. I applied for the job and edited a few manuscripts as a little test since I had no prior experience but was recommended by a staff member before I was finally accepted. Working at a publishing firm as an editor was a lot of fun in the beginning. I got to do what I loved for a living, to read and make necessary corrections to stories, taking them from their raw form until they're all ready to be published. I was a natural at it, and my turnover rate was also really incredible and fast. While I worked at the firm, I made a few other friends and we ended up getting very close. One of them was also an editor but in a different sector of the firm while others were staff writers. We were soon inseparable and had lunch together all the time and shared our lives with each other. I also made other friends in my workplace and it was nice because they didn't judge me for preferring the fictional world to the real one because they were all the same. I finally found my own people and a job that I actually liked. Life was great. Things started to shift from the normal that we all knew at the firm when the leadership of the firm changed hands. The former boss was a lovely woman in her 60s that acted like a mother hen to everyone. She was super kind, compassionate, and understanding, and she ran the firm really well. Not that I knew much about running a firm well, but she did a good job by my standards, while still managing to be firm enough that no one took her niceness for granted or insulted her efforts. She also gave smaller authors a chance for their works to be published and hosted signing events for these authors as well. Everyone loved her and we were all sad when she decided to retire. The new head of the firm was introduced during the send-off party that we hosted for our retiring boss, and the first thing we noticed was that he was much younger than the old boss. Initially, no one had any idea who he was, or how he even came to be the new head of the firm, but we still respected him either way. My first observation was that he was mostly quiet and kept to himself. It wasn't like we at the office needed to be told what to do, but he barely left his office until closing hours. It was obvious that he was trying to figure out how the firm could generally run by itself before he would add his input, but we also did try to make him feel as included as possible. We ran things by him before taking the final decisions, and he would just smile and agree with whatever we said. After a couple of weeks, the new boss, we'll call him Chad, held a meeting with the entire firm. And the first thing he let us know was that he hated how our former boss ran the firm, and that he was here to make sure there was some kind of order. 
It was a weird switch up from the nice-ish, quiet man that had been watching us for the last month. He also called us lousy and lazy and said that the younger women in the office dressed like who-ars, among many other things that I wouldn't like to recall. In essence, he insulted basically everyone and made us feel like whatever we'd been doing was utter rubbish. It made most of us feel terrible about ourselves, but what could we do? He was our boss after all. It seemed like the new order was basically to overwork us to death, because he made everyone do double the work that they'd been doing before, in half the time. I was suddenly editing two times the number of books that I was doing before, and had to skip my lunch break and stay in later than usual just to be able to catch up. Quickly, I went from loving my job to absolutely detesting the very act of waking up in the morning just because of my work. I had manuscripts piled on my desk every morning, and they didn't reduce whether or not I finished the day's work. Now, I'm not a very extroverted person unless I'm around my friends, which means that I usually ignore things that I'm uncomfortable with until it gets to the point that neither I nor the people around me can ignore it anymore, and then someone else speaks up about it. I never confronted situations myself. But in this case, I was livid at the inhumane amount of work that we were being given. A few older workers at work had been laid off because they couldn't keep up with the new boss's work rate. One of them had even ended up in the hospital because of a lack of rest and an increase in stress levels. He basically fired her when she called to take a sick leave. This man was cruel and we couldn't do anything about it. That was until I decided to finally stand up to him. If I'm being honest, it was more anger than anything else, because I normally never would have even had the courage to stand up to a waitress who got my order wrong and talk less about my boss in the workplace. It was a Friday afternoon, and I was just finished with all the work I had during the week. About two weeks prior, I had applied for a half day that day, and was told that it would only be granted if I finished all of my work by the time I had to leave. I was done an hour before the time I had to leave and was busy cleaning my desk when my boss walked in with a pile of files lined up on his arm and dropped them on my table. Without waiting to listen to anything I had to say, he walked back to his office and shut it behind him. I got really mad and went in behind him to express just how upset I was at the way he overworked us. The entire head office heard my outburst and everywhere was eerily silent as I gave my boss a piece of my mind. I can't recall everything I said to him, but I did speak of the way things were run in the office and how we all hated it. In the way of a true narcissist, he began to let me know how hard it was to run a company full of incompetent people, and that he was trying his best to make sure we earned more money than other publishing firms around. I tried to ask whether our health wasn't important to him, but he didn't care much for what I had to say. I tried to bring up some other things, but I was defeated as he only ended up dismissing me for the day. I was so anxious for the entire weekend that I could barely even sleep. It felt like the end for me, and my friends from work even may seem so with how often they called to check up on me. At work on Monday, Chad called me to his office and let me know that my job as an editor was now part-time, and I would be his new personal assistant. I hated the idea of it and tried to talk my way out but he let me know that it was either I accepted the job or I would be fired. Having just moved out of my parents' home into my own place, I knew that I couldn't afford to lose my job. Working as Chad's personal assistant was basically me being his little errand girl and part-time maid. 
My work area was moved closer to his, and when I wasn't editing mountains of manuscripts, I was getting his coffee, buying him lunch, or helping to pick up his son from elementary school. This was when I found out that he was indeed married and his wife also worked. Somehow, my job changed to being his child's babysitter. There was nothing said about it. I just somehow fell into the role and had to keep his kid busy during the weekends. Just like his father, Minnie Chad was a spoiled brat that felt the happiest when he was making me a slave for him. He was just such a nasty little kid, and I disliked being around him. It was worse because his parents believed everything he said over what anyone else did. So if I ever tried to let them know that they were raising a monster, I would get laid off from my job immediately. Being a personal assistant to Chad meant that I didn't have a personal life anymore because I had to be at his beck and call every other day. Hanging out with friends was a luxury that I could barely afford, and dating was definitely out of the question. Somehow, through all of the stress that I went through, I barely even thought about quitting. Now that I think back to it, maybe that was the reason that Chad thought he could be a jerk to us and get away with it. The people who worked at the firm had been there a while and having to find new jobs was a hassle for them. Things changed for me when I asked Chad for a raise because I was still doing my regular editing job while turning into his and his son's permanent babysitter. He decided that I wasn't doing enough work to be deserving of my salary and he cut me 20% off. I was mad enough to quit and I'd started to apply for jobs in my spare time but I also decided that maybe it was time to give Chad a taste of his own medicine. As his personal assistant, I had access to his schedule, and I also made a few of his appointments. I wanted to let him have an inkling of what it was like to be me, so I started to set his appointments too close together. He barely had any time to rest as he attended meeting after meeting. He had something going on nearly every hour of the day for about a week, and he could barely even last two days. It was hilarious watching my boss barely have time to get himself ready and dressed, and the once very well put together man looked a mess when he stepped into work. One time he even wore a mismatched suit because of how much he needed to do. He lived just one week in my shoes, and he was such a mess that he had to take a month off work for a vacation with his family. Of course, I still worked during that time, but I was in charge of booking the hotels and organizing the events that they would attend. Coincidentally, there was a Billie Eilish concert in town and his son really wanted to go. I was asked to purchase three tickets for his entire family, and I did so. Apparently, he wanted tickets with backstage passes, and I should have known that without him having to have said it. He insulted me so much that I decided to keep the tickets for myself. They were virtual tickets, and I forgot to send them to his email. While he was turned back at the entrance of the concert, I was inside with three of my friends from work, listening to the talented Billie Eilish entertain us. Of course, he tried to reach me, but my phone was turned off because I deserve the weekend off. I turned my resignation letter in not too long after that and went back to working at the library until I got a better job. Because honestly, anything was better than working for an ungrateful man who didn't appreciate the work that people did for him. I still work at the library but I have an interview at a different publishing firm next week, so wish me luck with that. Honestly, if anything, I think OP put up with this a little too much. I just can't imagine doing like a dream job at a publishing firm and ending up being okay being like an on-call babysitter by the end of it. 
All I know is OP must have really been strapped for cash at that point to allow that to happen. But I wish OP the best and I hope they get the new job at the new publishing firm. That said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another revenge story that was way crazier than any of the ones in this video, click on that left video. Or if you missed my latest video, check out the one on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.